This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. I've been off for a week, a uh, mad week at home on the school holidays. And funnily enough, I've not kind of, you know, like previously before kids, I'd have a little notebook and I'm constantly writing stuff down and thinking of stuff to say on the show. But uh, believe it or not, in between going to like trampoline parks and being asked for money, like I said earlier on, hadn't really thought of anything to say. So I thought what I would do is when I get into work today, start the week um, in the right way, I'd walk from Fenchurch Street to Soho, here where Absolute Radio studios are. Gives me an hour of kind of thinking time. Uh, and, And, you know, I was thinking I haven't really got anything to say today, so hopefully someone will pop up. Uh, and and so let me let me just explain before what happened um, this that I love meeting uh, you guys the the listeners it's the best part of the job and I wouldn't I wouldn't do this job if it wasn't for you guys because a lot of the time some of the stuff you come back, come back into uh, with with us on the show uh, makes us absolutely wet ourselves and uh, the stuff you come up with is way better than anything we could think of so it's a real honour to be able to broadcast to you guys every day and I grew up in local radio I've been doing this like twenty odd years but grew up in local radio back in Bristol GWR Bristol if anyone remembers that back in the day twenty odd years ago and you're meeting people who listen to you all the time and you're out there every week but a lot of the people if I'm going to be completely honest with you a lot of the people you hear on like national radio stations now haven't been within 100 yards of someone who listens to their show in their entire life so I I still love getting out there and meeting you guys it's great even if you kind of come out of the blue which is what happened earlier on uh, I bumped into a hometown listener called Glenn uh, and he sent me a tweet a minute ago. This will explain what happened. He says, Not often you get to meet one of your heroes, but I met mine today, Andy Bush. Seemed wrong disturbing you eating your Greg's pasty, mate. But I never get another chance to keep up the good work, son. Thank you so much. That means a hell of a lot. We had stood there in a little chat. I was actually eating a, uh, a Greg's cheese and bean melt that was kind of going down the side of my face as I was chatting to Glenn. You know one of those ones where you walk off from someone having spoken to them and then look down, it's all down your jumper and everything as well. So apologies, Glenn. It did look like I was kind of sleeping in my car. Uh, but it did give me an idea for a phone-in or something that we could do this first hour of the show. Obviously, I'm not famous, in any way famous, but it does open the door to the possibility of sharing stories in this first hour to people in the public eye that you might have seen eating for whatever reason. So if you've seen a famous person eating something out in the wider world... Tell us tonight on the show, 8, 12, 15. It's a phone-in that is almost by destiny has thrust into my hands this evening on the way in to the radio studio. So let's run with that. And in fact, there's a tweet now that's coming from the Hatton Scarf who says he saw Vinnie Samways, the footballer, eating breakfast at Vinnie Samways' own bar, Gran Canaria, 2001. Jimmy says he saw the cast of a low low all eating in pizza land. Uh, in Bath, uh, circa 1996. It was a bit weird, to be honest, seeing Eric von Klinkenhofen <laughs> eating a Hawaiian. And Marquis is coming uh, coming to the show with... This is this is the best one so far. Uh, if you can beat this, I, I tip my hat to you. He says, I promise this is true. Uh, he saw Kit Harrington, a.k.a. Jon Snow from Game of Thrones, getting sushi takeout next to the office from where I worked. In brackets, ITV stroke Channel 4 building on Grey's Inn Road. Ten minutes later... He then sees actual Jon Snow, the Channel 4 newsreader, order his lunch and then get it and put it into the lift and go up to the office. His head actually exploded. Nick uh, says, I was once sat next to John Inman and the Crankies, fresco dining at an Italian in Bournemouth circa 1998. Wow. A lot of showbiz on that one table. He said not exactly life-changing, but nonetheless, I think that was a good one. Uh, James says, a few years back, I was sat in uh, the Gourmet Burger Kitchen, that dates it, at Westfield, a couple of tables over from Russ Abbott. These are great so far. We've got Terry on the line. Uh, Terry, what famous personal people have you seen eating? I was uh, at a hotel up in London I used to work in back in the early 90s. Right. And I'd seen Nirvana 
play that play uh, smells like teen spirit but did territorial pittings on Jonathan Ross show the next morning I go to work there they are in the restaurant so I'm serving them breakfast well so you have served Nirvana uh, what, uh, a breakfast what what kind of thing did they have oh well uh, Dave wanted um, bacon that was it <laughs> Kurt didn't say a lot if I'm honest with you <laughs> yeah that's Kurt <laughs> uh, and then Chris I can't really remember there were two other security guards with them and uh, but they were cool they stayed twice. I saw them again when uh, they headlined Red in 92, the following year. You didn't serve them breakfast that time, did you? I did, yes, yes, I did. Wow, so you've served Nirvana uh, a full English, not once but twice. Yes, I have. That is absolutely 100% true. Terry, at the moment, you have the, the greatest uh, celebrity eating stroke serving story of the lot so far. <laughs> All right, cheers, Andy. Bye-bye. John says, I saw wrestler Rey Mysterio having a filet fish burger at McDonald's near the Glasgow Central train station without his mask at 1am in the morning. Here's the proof. He sent a photo. Vanessa says, we were staying in a hotel many, many moons ago in Huddersfield when Compo and Clegg from Last of the Summer Wine came in for breakfast, gave a general outdo in the broadest Yorkshire accent and then carried on in their usual accents. What about that? Uh, we've got Leah on the phone right now. Leah, tell us your celebrity food Spot. It was a long time ago now. It's got to be ten, over 10 years ago. Um, myself and my family applied to go in the audience on Soccer AM because you could do that back then. Yep. We were in the audience and one of the celebrities who was appearing on the show um, happened to be Mr T. Wow. And at the time he was doing the Snickers adverts. Um, and so he came in and was uh, in the commercial break with you know, handing out these Snicker bars and we're sat there eating eating a Snickers. So just to confirm, you have seen uh, Mr T, uh, B.A. Baracus yep. from the A-Team eating a Snickers yep. bar. The one and only yet legend. And did he seem like a nice guy? Because obviously he's quite intimidating. He's always, you know, quite aggressively stating he's not going to get on that plane. No, not at all. Really jovial, um, really nice guy. Sort of just, yeah, playing around and, uh, yeah, really cool. And you know what, fair play to him. He's obviously endorsing Snickers. He clearly likes them because you've seen him eat them. Absolutely. Did, Absolutely. He, did he go through a few Snickers or just add the one? I can't remember, to be fair. I remember him eating them and throwing them all into the crowd to us. Um, so, uh, yeah, he definitely, he definitely had a few on him. <laughs> he never turns up to any event without at least two or three Snickers to be going on with. That, that's absolutely, great. Absolutely. Great intel on Mr. T. Thank you so much, Leah. If you can beat that tonight, no we want an amazing uh, celebrity eating story. If you've seen them doing something like that, maybe they're eating Snickers. 8, 12, 15 to get involved. Uh, this person says, uh, one British Grand Prix weekend, my dad and I saw Damon Hill having a meal at our local Indian restaurant in Buckingham, which is 15 minutes away from Silverstone. My dad couldn't stop himself wishing him the best for the race the next day. What about that? Dad's just can't contain themselves. This text here says, uh, my wife and I were staying in London a few years ago. At breakfast, we hear some chaps talking at a table directly behind uh, a screen next to us. It was the hairy bikers. The banter was just how they are on TV. Uh, apparently, he was saying how good the bubble and squeak was to the other one. <laughs> Fantastic bit of intel there. Uh, we've got Rebecca on the line. Rebecca, uh, tell us your celebrity food spot. Right, yes. Um, it was in 1996. I was actually working at the, the zoo in the Isle of Wight at the time. Right. Um, and there was a sort of tuck shop. Um, and yes, Chesney Hawks came and bought some spring onion midi, midi cheddar for me. <laughs> so you, you just, just to recap then, you were working at the Isle of Wight uh, Zoo back in 96. Uh, yes. Pop legend Chesney Hawks comes in and he's bought uh, spring onion flavoured mini cheddars from you. Yes, exactly, yes. Brilliant. And did he have a, a drink or anything like that as well? Or we just have the cheddars and then on he went? 
I don't remember the drink, to be honest. It was just because they were, uh, like, non-standard mini cheddars, I remember it. It's, it's a maverick choice of mini cheddars. I think mini cheddars on their own, the standard ones, are pretty good. But to go spring onion, you can tell that he's got, he's got you know, different tastes, if you know what I mean. Well, well you know, he's, uh, he's a different... Yeah, there's a different life, obviously. Yeah, and I bet his fingers would have absolutely stunk after that, don't you reckon? <laughs> I wasn't near enough for that. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> uh, Rebecca, that is a fantastic story. Uh, Chesney, if you're listening to this, do get in touch to clarify. Louise says, I had dinner with Arnold Schwarzenegger. She then clarifies, well, in his restaurant. And he was there at the same time, so technically. Uh, she couldn't get an autograph because his bodyguards wouldn't let her, Louise Miller, get anywhere near him. Arnie's big enough to look after himself. He doesn't need security guards. We've got Dawn on the line for us right now who's going to serve us a fantastic story about ex-Millwall football player Dennis Wise and a Mars bar. God, it was quite a few years ago when now um we were decorating my son's bedroom right and we went up to the den to get a poster um for his room to put it in the frame and they suggested that we went down to the training ground uh-huh. um and we got all the signatures from all the players great um and for old oh, damn dennis isn't here and then i turned around and he was coming down some steps with a mild bar in his hand <laughs> So um, I said, oh, can you sign it? And he said, yeah, sure. He said, can you hold my Mars bar for a minute? And I was like, oh. So you held Dennis Wise's Mars bar? I held his Mars bar, yeah. <laughs> and was he, you know, like, I, I don't know if I'd give my confectionery to someone else because you'd be worried they might have a bit. Had he already started eating it by that point and, and you just it, held it? Yeah, he had. He started to eat it, yeah. Okay, fantastic. And is he a nice chap? Obviously, he's known for being, you know, a bit of a hard man, Dennis Wise. I mean, he, he let you hold nice. his mask bar, so he's obviously quite a trusting, nice chap. Yeah, no, he was lovely. He was really nice. So, overall, uh, Dennis Wise, nice guy. Uh, and we had Mr T, a story about Mr T earlier on, like in uh, Snickers. Dennis Wise yep. likes the Mars bar. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, listen, lovely to speak to you. Take care. Yeah, Andrew, thank you. The Daily Takeaway. Bush and Richie's Daily Takeaway. Hi, it's Andy Bush here from the Hometime Show. And I know better than anyone that kids moan a lot about being bored during the school holidays. You know the drill. Oh, there's nothing on Netflix. Oh, the Wi-Fi's too slow. Can I watch another thing on my tablet? Parents, simply text 888 bush now to teach your kids the ultimate school holiday lesson and enrol them on my exhaustingly complicated board game boot camp. I will come to your house after the show and make your children play one of my incredibly long and complicated historical board games. I guarantee that they will never complain about being bored ever again. For example, OK kids, this is Europa Universalis. A simulation of Europe's great nations through the ages of discovery, reformation, absolutism and revolutions. It's going to take about five hours, so if you need the bathroom, I suggest you go now. (laughs) Or maybe this. Okay, guys, quiet. This is The Cost, a challenging economic baseboard game that places you in the role of a company whose interest is in the asbestos industry around the world. Forget going now. We should be wrapped up by midnight. We are ready. Andy Bush's exhaustingly complicated board game boot camp. Teach your kids that the school holidays could be a hell of a lot worse. So, we've been talking about school holidays and all that kind of stuff. I've uh, been trying to think of things to do with the kids that's not going to cost an arm and a leg, to use a phrase that's been channeled from my own parents, turning to my dad. Uh, I took the kids midweek to um, a little village near us uh, in Essex called Battlesbridge. 
uh, near Leon, it's about like 20 minutes away. Uh, and there's an, a massive antique centre there, which for the kids would be an absolute nightmare. And Stella, our 18-month-old, would trash everything in there. So normally I swerve it a little bit. But the reason that I, I've taken the kids a few times to uh, Battlesbridge, the antiques place, is that they've got uh, a shop within it called Nerd Base. The Nerd Base. And it basically is a shop that sells loads of retro toys. So kind of a treasure trove of all the stuff that I used to play with growing up. So it's a good way of me boring my kids to tears about some of the stuff that uh, I used to play with when I was a little kid. Uh, we went for a day trip, middle of the week just gone, and mainly they've got a wall of original Star Wars figures. Which for me is just like that kind of glow. You know in Pulp Fiction when they open the, the, the bag, the briefcase, and there's a gold glow on their faces? When I go anywhere near this wall of, of original Star Wars figures, it just teleports me back to my childhood. And it reminds me of going to like supermarkets with my mum when, when I was a kid. And you know there was that outside chance that you might get a Star Wars figure? And, and I don't know about, like, kids seem to have more toys, more disposable toys now than they used to do. Sorry, Alf Garnet here. But um, I, had, like, I didn't have loads of Star Wars figures, and I remember every single one of them. I used to love them all. And, they, you know, if you, you were lucky enough to get a Star Wars figure, get them out of the wrapper, and then go and play. Our, our brown 1970s couch in our house in Trowbridge was the Tatooine Desert Landscape. And you had, like, you know, the, the C-3PO that we used to fall to pieces and you put them in a little uh, leather bag and Chewbacca used to carry them around. I had Luke Skywalker in his snow kit and all that kind of stuff. But my favourite Star Wars figure of the lot from back in the 80s was the Emperor. You know, the old fella in the robe, whose eyes actually look just like my eyes now, having had a week off with the kids. Just needs a bit of, uh, you know, moisturising lotion or something like that. But I, I remember sending off uh, five cuttings of the... Uh, Rappers of five other Star Wars figures to get the Emperor for free ahead of his general release to prove that I was a proper Star Wars nut. So I know this is quite a specific Star Wars thing, but I know they do have a very special pl like place in people's hearts. Is there a Star Wars figure that you love more than any other that you had when you were a kid? Uh, maybe you, you were lucky enough to have like one of the big toys, like the Millennium Falcon or an X-Wing or something like that. Ray from St Albans says, uh, My Stormtrooper. Loved it more than anything else. My mum traced me a paper copy to play with uh, so I could have two. I've now bought them all again and they display them in my living room, much to my wife's dismay. This is, this is the, a recurrent theme which I'm 100% behind, is that people are buying these things back, which is great. That's why Nerdbase in uh, Battlesbridge is doing such a roaring trade. Tony in uh, Haslington says, I had a Yoda figure, which I took to primary school to play with in break time. I left him on the field one day and he was run over by the Rydorn the ride lawnmower. When I found him, he was naked and only had one arm and a leg left. I still play with him, though. Good on you, Tony. Uh, this is quite dark from Kenny in Glasgow. He says, Bush, he used to have two black outfit Jedi Luke Skywalkers back in the day. And to make things more interesting for myself, I scraped half of the face off of one of them so I could have an evil dark side doppelganger Luke. Kenny, mate, you need to have a sit down and maybe a chat to some kind of therapist on that. There's definitely something going on. Uh, we've got Linda on the line right now. It doesn't have to be Star Wars. Uh, Linda, what figure or toy had a special place in your heart? Well, I still have my Barbie and Ken dolls uh, that were bought for me when I was in America in 1974. I no longer have the Barbie settee or, or any of the periphery stuff, but I still have the two dolls. Wow, because I, I was talking to my eldest, my, my middle daughter, sorry, about Barbie uh -huh. this morning because she's obviously a little bit obsessed yeah. with uh, the movie, okay. etc. even though she's too yeah. young to go. I was trying to work out when Barbie came out. So, 1974, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, but they actually came out in the 50s because um, my husband and I were really lucky enough to go to Australia a couple of years ago 
and we went to a Barbie museum. Wow. <laughs> and um, and they had they had like the original dolls. I mean, the museum was absolutely jam packed with Barbie dolls. I didn't realise that there'd been so many different versions of this doll. Fair play yeah. to it being, you know, a, a Barbie museum in Australia, and it's actually plastic mm. dolls. I thought it would just be cooking steaks and all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So you have got a Barbie and a Ken from 1974. Yes, I have. And where are they in your house? Are they uh, displayed in in the lounge, Pride of Place? No, no, they they were in the loft for a long time, and then I got them out because I was I was researching on eBay, thinking oh I might sell them. But actually now they're still in they're in a pink Barbie case, so it's a proper dedicated Barbie case that um, um, that Mattel bought out. Um, and they're underneath my bed. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So like a horrific real-life version of Toy Story. They're just trapped in a yes. in a tomb yeah, I mean, under your I bed. I was thinking about giving them to my niece, but then I thought she wouldn't look after them, and I couldn't bear to think of them being dumped well, in the swimming pool or anything like that. Keep hold of them. Check on eBay in a, in a year or so's time. Yeah. Lovely to speak to you, Linda. Take yeah. care. Okay. Thank you very much. This is the Daily Takeaway. Daily Takeaway.